Colleagues, welcome back to the office. We're going to get started with our presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I have a couple of brief announcements to share with you. First, if you're watching our course live, please note that we'll confirm your engagement through polling questions uh, that you can respond to. Polling questions will occur about every 12 to 20 minutes, and please keep an eye out for them because they might not be announced. If you're watching after the fact, it's a self-study course, you will confirm your participation and engagement with our course today through a brief quiz that you'll complete on cpetoday.com after watching or listening to our presentation today. Your completion certificate will be sent to you by email. As long as you respond to 75% of the polling questions, if you're watching live, you will receive full credit for today's course. If you're watching after the fact as a self-study course, please note your certificate will be available to you immediately after passing the course quiz. We'd love to know what you think of our content and of our presentation today. If you wouldn't mind completing our course evaluation to provide your thoughts and feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, your feedback is used to help produce better and more insightful courses for you to consume in the future. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. If you're watching live, feel free to use the chat dialog box to ask your questions to the presenter. And if you're watching after the fact, you can send us an email at support at cpetoday.com and we'll follow up with you as quickly as we possibly can. As a reminder, the CPE Today podcast is available as a joint effort between CPE Today and K2. Twice a week, we're bringing you the latest and greatest in technology, accounting, business knowledge, and more. You can watch for free on cpetoday.com, YouTube, or Facebook. If you can't make the live presentation, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and listen to the show on your own time. All of our podcasts are eligible for CPE credit. After watching or listening, you just head over to cpetoday.com. You complete a short five-question quiz, and you'll earn a credit for watching or listening. Now, if you've never tried one of our classes before, how about you try one on us risk-free? You can use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to make any podcast course of your choosing 100% free. We're going to get started here with our presentation. And again, thank you so much for being here. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us for better, more effective scheduling when you need it most. Put together by CPE Today, and I'm David. Glad to be here with you. Speaking of that, why are we here today? Well, you know, as we look at the business climate out there, this is, these types of things have already have always been important. But today, even more important are these couple things that I show here on the slide at the moment. We're spending a lot of time in meetings. We're wasting a lot of time. And look, even if you're the most successful people in the world, being able to hit hard on the way that you spend your time is particularly important. So today we're going to talk about how to do that better. And it's important because 80% of our time, according to the stats and the studies, during the day is spent doing tasks that have less than optimal value. So how do we take that time and make it more valuable? How do we take the 15% of our time that are in meetings, which amount to 20, I'm sorry, 220 million every year and turn them into gold, turn them into things that make a lot of sense for us? How do we take the time that is killing us and focus it better on the things that shouldn't be killing us. Well, if you listen to Jeff Bezos, that's one of the most important things that you can do. Where you're going to spend your time and your energy is one of the most important decisions you get to make in life, not just at work, but life in general. And Jeff has this saying that I love to quote. It's called bias to action. Somebody who's got a bias to action gets things done. Somebody who has a bias to inactivity tends not to do mo very much. My wife always says, if you want something done and have it done right, bring it to somebody who's already very busy. And actually, while it sounds counterintuitive, it actually makes a lot of sense. And today we may find out a little bit more about why that is the case. So learning objectives for today's session in which we'll use strategic scheduling in order to increase our success and to decrease our burden. 
Those learning objectives are to uncover how to use strategic scheduling so that you can strengthen your ties with clients and you can reduce the time-consuming tasks that take you throughout the day and frankly, wear you out throughout the day. We'll find out how to vary your techniques in order to adjust to your busiest seasons, see how your strategic scheduling can help increase your advisory services and other services that may be higher margin for you, determine the methods to facilitate better collaboration without increasing the difficulty in doing it, and then finally discover how to use a tool that will enhance your time utilization year round. And frankly, we created the tool because it's something that we felt was missing in the way a lot of us do business. Why me? I'm David Radin, and I'm the CEO of a company that helps other organizations reclaim and focus time. We work with large organizations, consultants, and trainers. In the past 30 or so years, I've been focused on productivity-related solutions for various industries, um, including service industries. I've worked with large accounting firms. I've worked with large industrials. I've worked with education companies. And you see a couple of my clients here as well. Working with Dale Carnegie in the past, I've become a certified consultant and work with people that way as well. Now, over the next 60 minutes or so, we're going to take some of these things that I've taken 30 years to learn and put them at your disposal. And let's start with something, a concept that is 300 years old. It comes from Benjamin Franklin, who says, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And when you get down to what that really means, it means that if you take the time beforehand to be strategic and to prepare for something, you're likely to be successful. And we all know that he's had a few successes in his life from discovering electricity to creating a library to helping create a country. And so we're going to be talking about the types of things that today that will help you prepare instead of failing. There are a lot of ways that we can do it, and you probably have some time management techniques that you've used yourself and in the past. Right now, you can see on my screen that I've put a number of time management techniques on there. You may be familiar with some of them. You may use some of them. Some of these are very well known. Today, we'll talk about, we'll, 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 we'll spur a conversation today on something called the Eisenhower Method which we see on the right, I have it set up there, and I show that there are four quadrants. Now, there are other of these methods that you see on the left that will be able to work well with what we're gonna talk about today. And several of them, including the Covey method, some of the Dale Carnegie methods, and some of the others, are actually based in part on what Eisenhower, that is President Eisenhower, has talked about over the years about how he manages his time. And he separates it into four quadrants, which I have labeled here one, two, three, and four in a zigzag pattern on the top first, on the bottom second, going from right to left. You'll see why in just a few minutes when we get there. But first, let's do a little review. What percentage of total workday time is spent doing tasks with little value? Is it 80%? 40%? 10%? or zero? We'll give you a moment to think it over and answer in the interactive quiz. Okay. What did you say? Was it 80%? If it was, you're right. We had it on the screen before. 80% of total workday time is spent doing tasks with little value across the board. So how do we get back, reclaim, if you will, some of those 80% of the time that we take? We'll start with how we manage our time and how we manage our meetings. And just like any other important thing. We look at it from a stool perspective. That is, if you want to have a stool stand and stand steady, it needs to have three legs that 
actually share a plane. It'll stand on three legs here called having the proper people, having the proper goals, and having the proper agenda. Now, today, we're not going to talk about the proper agenda, but we'll cover the first two with the proper people, and we'll do some covering of the proper goals, too. If you do not have the right people in the room with you, if you cannot get them, if they find other priorities, then you're probably not going to get done what you want to get done. If when you get them in the room, everybody is in lockstep on getting the same goals done, then you're more likely to get accomplished what you want than in most cases. And yet there are a lot of people who do not strategically schedule in advance what the goals of their meetings are. So let's just start right there with that is the first most important step is to get the proper people in the room when you're scheduling and to have everybody on the same page with the proper goals. And normally that could mean sending out the goals in advance, but at very least it's outlining them at the beginning of whatever meeting or session you're having. Now let's go from there into the math of meetings and the math of how you spend your time. This is going to sound a little bit different to you because on the surface level, we've all thought about how valuable our time is based upon how much we charge per hour and how many hours we have available for that. Now, these are great concepts and they work really well, but they're missing an entire axis. They're missing a real important thing. And that is until you get a client, you can't bill. And so the value of an hour is zero. So if you're in a situation like most service organizations are, in which you're either trying to grow your company or build your company, then you're missing some information that will have a very big impact on perhaps your viability, but certainly your profitability. So let's take it a little bit differently this time and create a slightly different type of math. We got two clients. One client is worth $20,000 a year and the other one is worth $5,000 a year. We can do the math the old way and say, well, if it's worth $20,000 a year and I charge X number of dollars per hour, it's this many hours that it's going to take me. And the other guy's $5,000 a year at the same rate. That means I'm going to spend less hours with him. And that's true. But what happens to the hours when you're just about filled and need to get that next person, which is where your real decision comes from, because you've already got client A and client B in there. Now you're looking at a new client A or a new client B, two prospects who are looking to come in and work with you and you're looking to get them. So if it takes you four additional hours working with each of these people in order to get their business, then you can see at the bottom, the math changes a little bit that says each of the additional hours that I spend with each of these clients is worth a significant number of dollars different. In the first case, $5,000 per hour for client A. And then the second case, $1,250 per hour in billings. So wait, I am billing them at the same rate, but you're telling me that my number of my value per hour is bigger with client A than client B? That's what I'm saying, and here's why. Because if you look at the grid of how you have strategically scheduled or non-strategically scheduled, this 40-hour block is probably mostly filled in. And the question is now, how do I use my extra hour or the hour that's not yet filled in? And how do I evaluate where to put it? If you put it in two clients and one of them is going to be a larger client than the other by four, by four times, like in our example, 
then the value of that additional hour, which you're not spent in the client facing role in terms of billable hours, but are, but are non-billable hours, the difference between them in this case is 37.50, plus dollars difference between if you chose to, to spend that one hour with client A versus client B, the right people. So we think about that a little bit. You can take whatever you want with these numbers. You can add a zero, so it's 200,000 on one. You can subtract a zero because you deal with a lot of small clients. It doesn't matter. The math is still gonna be the math. It'll still work the same way. The earnings differential of the hour that you're spending that is not in billable hours is going to be a consequence of the math of priorities. With the, with the hour being worth more, based upon what you can turn that into later. So how do I prioritize it? Well, there's a little functionality that we're going to give you now, and then we're going to build it out for you. So let's start by determining the value for each person and each activity. Hey, we just did that. That should be pretty easy for you. Look, especially if you're math oriented, like I expect you are, then this should be a pretty easy thing to do. It's just that you're going to have to flip a switch first and say, let me not look at it from a hours per build model, but let's look at it as an hour value based upon how much incremental revenue I can get. Once you do that, you need to do two things. Deprioritize the lower value and enhance the focus on the higher value. And I will tell you that right now, that is one of the most difficult things for you to do. You're going to have a lot of clients and a lot of prospects who are going to be in the lower value scenario that you're going to have to figure out how to be able to move away from them and move to the higher value prospects. Look, we all have the clients who are high touch, low value. Those who take you a lot of service time. And then the, the opposite. And it's just a question of being able to balance those so that you can spend more time with a higher value. And then you use processes in order to support the way that you want to manage your priorities. And that's the second more difficult thing because processes break down and they're based on habits and they're based on strategies. So let's create a strategy in order to be able to schedule our time optimally. And we'll base this one today on Eisenhower's matrix. Later, you can come back and rebuild it on some others, but I'm going to give you how to, as an example, we're going to use Eisenhower's matrix. Okay, so here's Eisenhower's matrix on the right. There are two axes in that matrix. The one that goes vertically is the importance of what you're doing. And the one that goes horizontally, the x-axis, is how urgent it is, with the least being in the bottom left corner and the right or the top being the most urgent or the most important. So according to General Eisenhower, later becoming President Eisenhower, when he looks at what he has to do, and he was pretty successful, he says, if it's both urgent and important, that is, if it's in the top right quadrant, I'm going to do it. Because well, it is urgent and it is important. Urgency, by the way, here we define as being time critical. Importance will define as having the most impact. So if it's both, you go and do. If it's important, but it's not urgent, it's something that has a lot of impact, but maybe doesn't need to be done today. You decide how and when and where to do it. But you're still doing it. That's the top left quadrant. We call that quadrant two, if you remember from that earlier version of this, of this matrix. Now, if it's urgent, but not important, got to be done now, but it's really not going to have huge impact. Delegate it if you can. Find somebody who can do it for you. And if it's neither, you shouldn't even be considered doing it. Get it off your plate. Delete it. Get rid of it. That's the bottom left quadrant. So if you use this in general, the Eisenhower analysis of how important and how urgent it is, you'll get your first set of parameters on how to be able to 
strategically schedule yourself. Now that's where Eisenhower sort of stops and you have to go into some other things so that we say to yourselves, well, there are those that out of this analysis, I do decide how to accomplish. And for those, you need to triage them within the do quadrant, that is the top right one. And you need to triage them within the decide quadrant. That's two top left. And using this methodology, which we'll go through in a minute, will get you where you want to go. So let's review again. Which of these is a key ingredient of effective scheduling? Is it A, the proper people? B, the proper goals? C, the type of coffee served? Or D, both A and B? I'll give you a moment to think about it. You can fill it into your polls if you see a poll. Okay, you've had your moment. If you said D, both A and B, you've got the correct answer. Now, in reality, the type of coffee served is probably more important than it should be for various reasons. And we'll actually talk about that in a few minutes. But if you remember the third thing that we talked about before was what the agenda looked like. Um, so those are things that are important to scheduling. So when you're doing scheduling on a holistic basis, how do I look at my entire schedule? How do I prioritize my entire schedule? There are some easy things for you to do. Number one, block off time for the key activities that you need to do. Prep time for meetings, the, the project work that you're doing for your clients, their taxes, and the things that you know you need to do, right? You're going to have some certain projects. Some of you are going to prioritize exercise or time with your family, whatever that is. Block that off. And those are immovable objects, or you try to be, have them become immovable objects. You should be travel conscious because one of the things we find is that travel is one of the biggest time racers there are. Not because you can't, you have, you, you can get rid of it, but because you can do it better by traveling consciously. Two things that we have found work really, really well in order to make keep you on point is to look at your day at the very beginning of the day and create a mental roadmap, first thing. And then during the course of the day, the five minutes here and the five minutes there that you spend in between your activities actually adds up. Think about this a second. If you take five minutes between eight different activities that are give or take one hour activities, you're going to end up wasting 40 minutes that day. Five days a week, you're talking about 200 minutes for over three hours. That's a lot of time for you to, for you to lose. So if you can streamline the flow, then that works better. Now, for our clients who use our confirm system, we actually have them do this by every day automatically sending them something that we call a daily agenda, which helps them, number one, create the mental roadmap early in the day. They can see this. It's easier to read because it's icon-driven, and they could easily get to any one of their calendar appointments through it. And so they can make a mental roadmap early in the day and be strategically aware. So for instance, I'm looking at this day that we see on screen right now, and I see that at one o'clock I have a Zoom meeting and at two o'clock I've got a meeting that somebody wants to meet me using their Google Meet. Two virtual meetings. You'd think that would be easy, but you know that when it comes down to being there, you know that you're going to have to jump off that Zoom meeting real quickly and then join that Google Meet. Might take a couple minutes, so you're going to have to be cognizant of it. If you note that early in the day, later in the day when it's time to do it, it'll become easier and more efficient for you to jump from one to the next. Similarly, if you can have a way to be able to use icons to click from one to the other without having to jump into all of your schedules or into your calendar events or looking for text links or, you know, where is that place that I've got to go travel to, then you'll have an easier time of it, getting it done quickly, easily, et cetera. And you'll notice we also set out some time for our clients to either set aside tasks, such as a AAA task that we have in the 10 o'clock hour here saying, send that huge invoice. 
And we also give them the opportunity to take actions when they need to, whether it's sending a reminder to, or a change order to somebody because you know you're going to be late or whether it's trying to get them in and get somebody in to fill up a meeting gap. There are different things that you can do. So the key is to be able to look early and then streamline during the day using techniques that make it easier for you. So again, getting back to Eisenhower's matrix, we have several sets of priorities and you relate your scheduling around your different priorities. The first priority that we have here highlighted in red, both on the left side and right on the matrix in the top right quadrant, that's quadrant one, are your top priority people. Make it very easy for them, even if it's less easy for you. That's counterintuitive. Making it less easy for you might seem like it will make it less productive for you. But if you're working with your most important clients, that's probably not the case. In the left quadrant, the one that's called the side, the yellow on both sides of these, you have your next priorities beyond those top priorities in which you make it very easy for them is, again. But you make it subservient to what is in the red. Make it very easy for them as long as it doesn't affect the people who are in your top priority. And then for the third set, for the others, make it easy for them around the others that you've already set. You time blocks, stay there so that you don't defocus yourself and you have them in there. Now, what's interesting is when people think about three different priorities, you would think that I would be doing these in quadrants one and two and three, right? So that you have the do, decide, delegate. For the most part, the answer is no. For the most part, these all land in quadrants one and two. If it's in quadrant three and you're taking care of it later in the day, then it's really not in quadrant three. It's really in quadrant run one, isn't it? It's in the do quadrant, not in the delegate quadrant. And a lot of people make that mistake and they end up moving things from one to the other. Sometimes it's because they don't trust the person that they've given it to. But that's another issue we can talk about another time. So specifics of how we do that in the top priority quadrant in the do quadrant, the things that you need to do with the people who are most important to you. Start by giving them choices that favor them. People are busy. If they're busy 60% of the time next week and you got to get them next week, that means you've got only a 40% chance of finding a time that they want. Similarly, they want to be, uh, uh, they, they want a method or a place that is easy for them to do at their office maybe. It's probably more convenient for them that your office, which means you have travel, right? Um, doing it by Zoom or by Microsoft Teams or by phone might be easy for them. Maybe their office or maybe a restaurant or coffee shop near their office or near their home, depending upon the time of day. Give them a few choices. Now, as far as those choices are concerned, you want to avoid what we, what's known as Hicks Law or the paradox of choice. People love choice, but they don't love too much. And we find both psychologically and mathematically, too many choices creates problems. It means that they delay their decisions. It means that they just don't do them. I mean, there's a reason that Steve Jobs wears a turtle or wore a turtleneck every day. And he had a closet full of the same black turtleneck over and over and over. He would get them. That's one less decision that he had to make during, had to make during the course of the day, because we all are subject to decision fatigue. So avoid Hicks law and only give them a few choices. Optimally, you're giving them two to four choices. Three to four is a great number. And I'll show you how to do that in a minute. Reserve the time for these people. If in fact, they're really your high priority if they want to meet at a specific time that's convenient to them, sounds like the right thing to do. So reserve it for them. When you're offering them times, if they haven't responded, just say, hey, I'm going to hold this out for them. And you don't do that for everybody, right? by the way. And we'll see that in a minute. From a travel perspective, these are your top priorities. Should be able to go out there. And then we'll show you in a minute how you can build your other travel around these top priorities. And then finally, remove the friction. Make it an unconscious decision or a subconscious decision for them. Don't 
allow them to avoid it because it's difficult for them to do. I should say it differently. Instead of don't allow them, just don't make it so that they have to avoid it because it's hard. I have several of the examples consolidated into a single thing here. And again, this is using our system because when we're sending out offers for them to meet with us, our top priorities typically get what we call a custom meeting request. This is a piece of one in which we give them, in this case, multiple times. So I've doubled my opportunity to, to find a free slot by, go, by giving them both 9 p.m. Eastern and 11 p.m. Eastern in this particular case. And that's good. I've also given them the choice of two different places so that one of them might be near their home and one of them might be their, neither, near their office. And in this case, you'll notice that I've given them only Panera. But suppose I gave them Starbucks and Panera. Suppose they love Starbucks. They're not going to choose Panera. They're going to say, hey, great. He's giving me a Panera. I mean, he's giving me a Starbucks and they'll go to it. But on the other hand, if they're not very happy with Starbucks coffee, they'll go, I'm glad he gave me something else besides Starbucks. I'm going to give, I'm going to take that one. And in the case that we've done it, we've made it single button confirmation friendly. So those are keys to what you need to do in order to help them and to be able to make it easier for them. It's really easy for you, but it's extremely easy for them. Now for the second, for the next priorities, which you see are in the top white quadrant of the top left quadrant in that red area. Now, once you get the, the people that you want to do that you, that are in your do quadrant, that you definitely do your triple priorities. Now you go to these people and you say, how do I schedule them? Well, you build them around your A priorities. You still use the concept of making it as easy as possible for them using a choice of time and a choice of place or platform phone or, or web, for instance. Um, and you avoid Hicks law again by only giving them a few. And that sounds pretty much the same way that I said it before, but it's a little bit different. In this case, we're not going to reserve the times for them because we're already reserving times for our top priorities. These people, you don't necessarily reserve the time for them and you give them some options and a good set of options. And you build your travel around the top priority. So for instance, if you're going to have a meeting with one of your top priority people on the east side of town on Thursday, and if these people are on the east side of town, offer them something on the east side of town. If they're on the west side of town, on Thursday, rather, if they're on the west side of town, don't offer them Thursday, offer them Wednesday or Tuesday if you're going to go to them. Also, look at your proximity to reduce travel time. We actually started working with uh, artificial intelligence so that we can make sure that we don't get the meetings too close because they can't make it there because of travel time. Even if they're in the same neighborhood, it takes a few minutes to do that. And we give some opportunity to do that. But you can, you can reserve time for some things and not for others. And then finally, again, just like before, remove the friction from their tasks. Make it so that they can unconsciously make your meetings. Here are some examples again. On the right time, you see that we're giving them four choices of places. Meet me in, these are four different places in Pennsylvania, which is where I live. And notice I have zip codes in here because we use our artificial intelligence in order for them to say, hey, I live in Penn State. Let's choose this one. And we know the next person will not be able to choose Pittsburgh within, the, within an hour, for instance, of that other meeting. On the left side, we see that we're giving this high priority or this next priority, the choice of meeting length. I'm going to, you know, some of these people are going to need 60 minutes, but some, most of them are only going to need 30. I'm going to let them make that determination. And I'm also going to give them choice of times. And you'll notice in this case, I give them a little of both. By the way, I also put it in Eastern time here. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. And then finally, there's that third set of people, which I've outlined here in red again, as everybody on the top side of the matrix that's not in either the do quadrant or the top right of the decide quadrant. And in this particular case, you're going to give them fewer options. Those options will be based on who they are, what their persona is, and what the circumstance is. Again, as always, you're going to, you're going to avoid the paradox of choice and a decision avoidance. And in this case, because they're not that important, 
you're going to be more likely to build it around your very own convenience. So it looks like this. They're going to get fewer options and that'll be reflecting their persona and the circumstances. You're again going to avoid Hicks law because you never want to make it harder for them than necessary. You're going to prioritize yourself about evenly with them instead of making it all them. And then again, as before, you build your travel around the other people, but these people you can go to if you feel that's appropriate. Um, in many cases, I will not give them the option of traveling to them at all. I'll let them come to my office on days that I know I'm going to be in the office. I'll let them have coffee a block or two away from my home on a Saturday morning or times that I know I'm going to be working out of my home. And I'll give them the option of meeting me by web or meeting me by phone, depending upon the circumstance. I do a lot of demonstrations, so I have to, so I use web more often than I do phone. In your case, you may want to share returns with them so you can do it uh, via Zoom or Microsoft Teams instead of doing it um, uh, by phone. It may make, you, make it easier for you. And then finally, again, removing the friction. And you'll notice that I say that on all of these. Removing the friction is one of the most important things to do, especially with difficult people. So we talked a few minutes ago about this whole concept of making it based on personas, making it based on circumstances. Here are the types of things we're talking about. Are you going to be in the area that day? Again, we can talk east side, west side. We can take that to the point of you've got clients all over the country or all over the world. And you're going to be on the East Coast on Monday and Tuesday. And you've got another client who is in the area in the same city, or maybe even just an hour or two away. So you can build the trip out around that second one being there. Boy, that's a great way to get rid of travel. The time that it takes. It's a great way to get rid of the cost of travel as well. You know, the dollars that you pay for airplanes or trains or, or automobiles or gas. What time zone are they in? And that's important because you, if they're in the West Coast and if you're going to be doing a telephone or a web meeting, giving them a 9 a.m. East Coast availability is probably not the best offer in the world for them because it's 6 a.m. their time and their, their normal hours might be 8 to 5. And if you know that in advance, why friction it up by giving them your time zone? Give them something that's more that's better for them. Do you want to give them the option to have you visit them? Again, that's a dollars and cents issue and a time availability issue because it adds overhead for you. And if you do that, it's great. But remember that you build that around those that you want to go meet. And by the way, I, I, I missed a circumstance a minute or two ago. If you're going to be at a convention where you know two or three or four people that you want to meet with are going to be there, that's a great way to optimize your time. And you can use the same types of techniques that we're talking about. Change the meeting length depending upon, number one, what you're going to need to accomplish. Number two, how much time you want to give them based upon that math of urgency, that math of priorities that we were talking about before. Now, you'll notice that this is the first time that I'm really telling you urgency plays a part because it does play a part. But it doesn't always or it shouldn't play a bigger factor than importance. And then relative importance. Obviously, that's going to be there. Again, we'll take a look at some thing, the ways you can reflect personas and circumstances. On the left here, I have two offers that I send to people. We actually let people choose their own time using our system. And uh, on the left, you'll see two different offers. The first one, the one that says high priority, has uh, a larger number of opportunities. They're all bunched into three different choices, by the way. They have Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning, and Thursday afternoon, which they can see in their, their cerebral pattern matching they see as three different things. And then only once they narrow down on it, the way we present it, will they see it as, as a, a, a bigger choice. Again, fewer choices, Hicks Law. 
Um, so the one on the left has got a lot of choices, uh, a lot of opportunity. It's more flexible. It's got 60s and 30s. The one on the right, Let's Explore, has fewer choices. They're all 30 seconds each. And if you go even farther to the right, you'll see that one of them is associated with only 30 minute meetings. The other one gets 30s and 60s. And down on the bottom, you'll see this is uh, this actually comes from two different from uh, two different sets of offers where Xander says, I'm going to offer you four different ways to meet with me virtually or come to my office. And I'll say, oh, I'll go meet you at the lobby of the hotel downtown or I'll meet you in my office or I'll call you. So these are two different circumstances that we provide and we mix and match these as well. And of course, you see the Eastern Standard to represent where they are. So let's review again. When using the Eisenhower method of scheduling your time, you should A, only do the thing in the first quadrant, that's the upper right or the urgent important quadrant. You should B, make sure you do everything in all four quadrants. You should C, focus on the items on the top half of the priority on quadrant run one over quadrant two activities or D, none of the above. Give you a moment. Okay, time's up. Hopefully you've entered it by now. If you said focus on the items on the top half with priorities on quadrant one over quadrant two activities, then you'd be right. If you said B, I think you ought to re-listen to this whole thing because that is the first thing we said is that not everything is alike. You don't have to do everything. Here's the guy who made a reputation about time management and productivity. His name is Brian Tracy. He's a consultant out of California. And I love this quote. There's never enough time to do everything but there's always enough time to do the most important thing. He took um, a quote from Mark Twain, which was about if you're, if, if you had to eat your, eat a frog on your job, you should do, you should do it first thing. And if you have to eat two, you should eat the bigger one first. And he took it and he turned it into a whole time management concept, which I love called eat that frog. And um, the eat that frog concept basically says that if you have to eat a frog, which is really a disgusting thing to do. Do it first thing in the morning because the rest of your day will look up and you'll have had one of your most difficult things done by the time you've gotten to number two. It's a great concept. And as I said, it, it, it did uh, paraphrase Mark Twain in getting that done. Okay, so if we take a holistic approach again, examine our situation, we ask ourselves, which activities are the most valuable that we can do during the course of the day and which people will have the biggest impact to get accomplished what we want to accomplish? Let's ask ourselves, what are the activities you must do and which can be triaged to be able to be done by somebody else or to be done later? Think about how you conduct your day. How do you plan? How do you move between your activities? And have a concept that you could be consistent with so that it becomes habit for you and you don't have to think about it. Guess what? It takes less time and you become more productive. And finally on this list, how does your staff play a part? There are people on your staff that you can offload to, that's quadrant three activities, but sometimes you don't have that opportunity. You might have to outsource it. You might end up having to do it yourself because there's nobody to do it with, or else you might find if you think really, really hard about it for about three or four milliseconds, that they're really not things that you need to do or people that you need to see. 
and you can put them into quadrant four. The delete, the trash. Eh, trash is probably a harsh word, but you get what I'm saying. Those are the things that you would, shouldn't be spending your time on at all. So remember, top of the quadrant in the Eisenhower matrix. Dan Ariely is one of the world's foremost behavioral economists. He's made a living taking things that seem like simple math and delve behind why they don't seem to work very well in terms of the economy. You're probably aware of um, one of it, one or more of his books that are New York Times bestsellers. You may have read him in the Wall Street Journal. I'm very lucky to have been able to work with him and putting together our product line. Uh, really, really smart guy. And he says the probability of getting kicked in the head by a horse is very low. But if you spend enough time cleaning horses' feet, the probability goes up by a lot. For those who've had statistics, you probably are familiar with this concept. Um, but, the but the bottom line on it is, is the same thing. Is the it, it, It's just like they say with the lottery, if you don't play, you can't win. Yeah, the you play a lot and your and your odds go up on the lottery they don't go up very much but in other places they go up a lot more because it's by percentage bottom line is still if you do the things that will get you where you want to go over and over and over and over again you'll get there but if you don't you won't Okay, so um, that's that's what we have for the formal stuff. Thank you so much for being with me. Um, very happy to answer some questions from you. Okay. And by the way, you can also put those in the Q&A. You can put those in the chat. For those of you who are connected directly to Alana, you can have her forward them to me. Okay. What if I use a different time management concept? I guess you're talking about a different time management concept than the one we've been speaking about most of this time, the, uh, the Eisenhower matrix. And at the beginning, let's pull this back up. At the beginning, we talked earlier about the types of, of concepts we have that are available to you. And there are a whole bunch of them here. Uh, a lot of these will work together. If you use if if you're uh, if you're a follower of Stephen Covey, you're probably doing something very similar to the Eisenhower method. It's probably slightly different um, than what we have. Dale Carnegie also has something very uh, very similar. Uh, it it isn't quite worked the same way. Um, you can you could use those together. For instance, the as long as you're using your concept and using some of the things we talked about today in order to figure out who the people are as far as managing that concept, it makes it easier. For instance, if you're using uh, Tracy's Eat That Frog, you know the people who are difficult to deal with and you know the tasks that you have that are difficult to do and you probably want to schedule them early. For me, I tend to do that first thing in the morning and I schedule very few meetings before 11 in the morning because I find that meetings take less of my energy and I start to get drained of energy as the day goes on. Just to give you an example, um, there are the um, atomic habits and the tiny habits types of, of methodologies that we see from James Clear and BJ Fogg. If you haven't read their books, by the way, these are two of the best time management books that I've ever read. Um, uh, they both go into the math and methodologies in order to be able to turn small activities into habits, basically with the guys that you're better off um, doing something a little bit than not doing it at all. And as you start to do it a little bit, it'll be more comfortable to you and you'll start doing it a lot and you'll start to do it in bigger numbers. And the math behind it is absolutely phenomenal um, by using their types of methodology. You look the other way around at, um, at the Pomodoro method, which is that you 
get your energy sucked out of you very quickly and that you have to take some number of breaks with Pomodoro. It's you schedule yourself for a certain amount of time, have a timer, go to a ringy dingy ding. And at the end of that time, you then schedule a small amount of rest and then don't go back to work until after that rest break is finished. Even if you feel like you want to go back to work because you'll have a little bit of a rush of adrenaline and you'll be able to work a little bit better. So all of those work really, really well as do the flow method, um, the David Allen method called getting things done. Done. You'll hear a lot of people talking about GTD. Um, they all work well with what we've been talking about today. Uh, the concept is still, those are big strategic methodologies. And what we've been talking about today is how do you take a methodology and turn it into action? If you really think about it on the, on the uh, deep level of what we've been, been talking about here. What's this one? I have different dollar level service. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Here's somebody who's got different services, uh, different dollar level services. And how do, uh, how does that affect the way that we do this procedure? So that sort of goes back away to the way that we were talking about that math um, of priorities. I mean, this could be done on multiple levels. So if you think about the fact that you're not spending time and you're you're only utilized for 35 hours a week and you want to know how to utilize the, the, the next five hours, the math of priorities is a good place to start, make that happen, make that work and with, with new clients. And then uh, when it comes to the work that you do, if you're either oversubscribed or within the hours that you're allocating, you should give priority to those that are higher level types of things. Now, of course, in a lot of industries, seasonality takes place. As accountants, you worry about April deadlines. You worry about January and February deadlines. There are quarterly deadlines. There's end of year, get your clients to do thing deadlines. And so the, the, the concept of urgency in an accounting realm takes on a different type of, um, of, of concept, if you will, uh, than under most other areas. But what you can do is you can take those that are common to multiple clients and you're able to put those together. Every October, I think it is, I get a piece of mail from my accountant that says, here are the things that you must look at before the end of the year. And it's usually a four or five page letter with uh, 15, 16 bullets on each page. And that's his way of doing it. And you can do the same thing is to sort of um, uh, just put people together and, and do it in a very marketing oriented way. That'll work for you well from that perspective. And then look at which ones are going to have the biggest impact on you. So when you're doing those types of activities, for instance, it could spur additional business for you and you might, in fact, say different things to your different types of clients for your A's and B's. If you've got advisory services, I see where we're coming from here. Uh, if you've got advisory services, typically those are higher margin types of services and you want to be able to build those. Now, the question is, how do you take the consequences of the math priorities and build that around your advisory services? That will mean, number one, how you actually do your work. But again, it'll be how you go out and get your work, the value of an hour put towards getting high value advisory services on top of the um, on top of the tax services could be extensive. The other thing is look at who is easier to get it from. And the chances are you'll be able to get those advisory services more easily from your current user base. So when you're out there doing your marketing, how do you go out and leverage the people who are already doing business with you to get more services that will help both them and you? Oh, I like this one. Um, what about hard to reach? or difficult clients. So um, we all have a category of people that are very difficult to get a hold of. They're busy. Look, look I'm, if you're working with a CEO of a significant sized organization, he's going to be difficult to get a hold of. Some of it's going to be on purpose that he doesn't want to be distracted from 
his normal duties that will get him his a triple A's in the math of priorities. Um, but it's also because there's a sort of lack of focus on getting back to people very often, or it's because he handles it through somebody in his organization or she handles it through somebody in her organization. And um, that person is not who you're going to. So there's a, some sort of lag. Um, it's getting through to those people and figuring that out. Again, if we go back to this whole concept that we talked about earlier, which is to get rid of the friction and to not make them deal with uh, the paradox of choice, that will be one way to get them to say yes more quickly. That becomes more important even when they're in that AAA priority group because you're holding other people off until they say yes. And sometimes you're just going to have to start filling it in, sort of reserving those times and allowing separate people to do it. You're taking a calculated risk when you do that, but there are going to be times when you just have to do that. And okay, I'll take I'll take one more. I'll take one more. Oh, we yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about this one at all. Um this one says, I spend a lot of time with internal meetings. How do I get more out of these? Okay, yeah. So we spent a lot of the conversation today with the concept of different people, meaning having different values to you and having different priorities for you based on various items so that you can use that math of priorities in order to be able to um, schedule your time more strategically. In this particular case, the assumption is that when you're in a meeting with internal people, that they're all the same, but they're really not because the more people in a meeting, the more expensive it is for you if you're the um, the partner in the organization or the owner of the organization, then the more people you have in that meeting, the more expensive that is and the higher pay their salary is, um, the more expensive it is for you. So you want to be able to get more out of those as well. Again, I will lead you back to the whole concept of let's get more out of the subsequent time beyond the meeting. So going in with the proper goals, that has an impact going in with the right people that will have an that will have an impact on the goals is important and then the final thing this is where the agenda stuff comes in making sure that everybody knows what the agenda is throughout the course and try to stay on topic which in many cases is very hard by the way for various reasons uh communication styles different priorities of the different people in the room etc um but you as the as the leader of the of the meeting need to be able to do that as you go well thank you so much for being with me today again i'm david and i'm with confirmed i have that uh, qr code up there so if you just aim your camera at that qr code it should bring you to actually that page that it shows right above those logos because it's a page in which you can explore with me and use some of the concepts that we've just talked about in order to set aside some time with me. And, and frankly, you'll be see if you use that QR code, you'll be seeing the not triple A and the not double A, but you'll be in my top tier above the, the origin of that, of that Eisenhower matrix. You're in the top, but you're going to be farther to the left side because I don't know who you are yet. But once we get this exploratory meeting, we'll know more about each other and what our importance is to each other. So we'll even give you the ability to try out the concept as we go. Thank you so much again for being with me. I hope this has been a good use of your time. And I look forward to speaking with some of you soon. This concludes today's presentation. As a reminder, if you're watching or listening to our show on YouTube, Facebook, or elsewhere, you can earn credits by going to cpetoday.com and passing a brief five-question quiz. If you're a new watcher or listener to our show and you'd like to earn a credit, you can do so for free by using coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST 
at checkout. You can make today's class or any other class of your choosing 100% free with this code. Please consider reaching out and connecting with us on social media. You can subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook and more. Feel free to leave us a comment. Also, please consider subscribing to our show wherever you happen to receive your content, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and others. Thank you so much for being here. We look forward to seeing you back at the office the next time around.